0: When you need to restore flow in an ischemic limb, there's no time to lose. You need the Pounce Thrombectomy System. The Pounce System from Thermonix is a purpose-built percutaneous device for removing thrombus and embolus in the peripheral vasculature. No capital equipment or aspiration needed, just grab, go, and restore flow. It's simple. With the Pounce System, you place the basket wire distal to the clot, place the collection funnel proximal to the clot, pull back to collect the clot in the funnel, and retract the system through your guide sheath. The secret sauce? The Pounce Funnel is designed to macerate and dehydrate the clot, allowing you to remove even large amounts of material through a 7-French sheath. Visit PounceSystem.com to learn how physicians have used the device to accelerate on-table flow restoration while reducing use of thrombolytics. Pounce Thrombectomy. Strike quickly to capture and remove clot.
1: This week on the Back Table Podcast.
0: I think there anything that can show, uh, you know, the vessel architecture better than arteriography, I think is some, something worth looking at. You know, each of these uh, modalities has limitations, uh, and that's the reality. However, I think they each have their their own uh, their own strengths as well. Again, I always go back to the idea that when it comes to our ultimate, uh, you know, ultimate goal. So just like STEMI's, you know, we have door to balloon time. When, you know, and they've certainly made a difference when it comes to the outcomes of those patients. When we talk about, you know, door to, you know, time, balloon time when it comes to the lower extremity, we're doing an awful job, uh, you know, across the board. Yeah. When it comes to you know, our minor- minority populations, we're doing a terrible job. I'm willing to embrace anything that has a realistic chance of improving our
1: opportunities to have better outcomes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Backtable podcast, your source for all things endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com. Before
0: we dive into our topic today, just want to say a quick word from our sponsor, RadPad. RadPad radiation protection products, developed by physicians for physicians and clinically proven to protect during cine and digital subtraction angiography. Don't bet your health on anything less. Trust RadPad Protection for all your interventions. See radpad.com for more information and contact info at radpad.com to learn more about radiation safety CME credits for you and your team.
1: This is Sabine Dond as your host this week, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Brian Fisher, a vascular surgeon coming to us from the surgical clinic in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Sabine. Oh yeah. No, we're, you know, we're so excited to have you here today. You're such a pleasure to kind of, you know, talk and collaborate on social media. You know, we really talk from everyone at Back Table and, and everyone from my specialty to really thank you for what you're doing. So thanks, Brian. You bet. Um with that said, you know, where did how did you get to Nashville? Where did what, tell us a little bit about yourself? Wild story. So started out, grew up uh, in Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee,
0: Wisconsin, uh, where it's a little bit colder than where I am right now, thankfully. Um, you know, we're we're in a good place. And you know, then the travels took me down actually to Tennessee here to Nashville. I did four years at Tennessee State University. And then I took a year off, uh, taught elementary school, followed by four years at UW-Madison, where I froze again. Uh, <laughs> and then at, <laughs> uh, in Columbus, Ohio, where, again, uh, we froze just maybe a little bit less. And then finally came to, uh, to Vanderbilt uh, University, did two years here, asked my wife where she wanted to be. And she said uh, Nashville was awesome. So uh,
1: here we are. Awesome, man. Yeah. You put a couple of cold places first and now you ended up at Nashville. So that's great. <laughs> Brother, we will keep migrating south as needed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, you know, today we're going to be talking about intravascular ultrasound and peripheral interventions. And so, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's so great about IVIS? G- give me your pitch. I mean, why should I and our listeners be using IVIS on every intervention?
0: Well, you know, that's, so that's a great question, and you know, of course, that's a, a been a big topic for me uh, for about five years or so. You know, there's a big picture and maybe a small picture. Uh, as I think it's been described on all multiple occasions. You know, from the the big picture standpoint, you know, the way that we uh, attack peripheral vascular disease and certainly our precision when we do it, it's certainly lacking at this point. You know, my attitude has always been, you know, just like NASA, I think that they're able to land on the moon. God knows what the percentage is. But just imagine if they said, well, hey, we're doing a good enough job. We'll just keep doing what we've been doing. Well, you know, peripheral vascular disease, certainly, uh, you know, there's a different challenge there. And always opportunities and always innovations that are helping us to do uh, these interventions better and get more durable outcomes. I think that Ibis is really that, uh, you know, the key and kind of the bridge uh, between, you know, the diagnosis, what you're seeing on on imaging, and then whether or not you, you know, how you're going to treat it. And then whether or not you actually got what you uh, said that you want to do duh. and so that's kind of the big picture, you know. How do we uh, look at these interventions and and get a more durable result? Um, how can we again quantify that uh, with mm-hmm. data, which is obviously one of the biggest uh, maybe misgivings and one of the reasons why people aren't using it so far, you know. That that kind of is the the the, the important big picture. When you start looking at the small picture and in the individual cases, you know, one of the important things that uh, you know we always look at vessel diameter and what is actually going on inside the vessel and how do we need to treat it? I think that, you know, the big thing that we're missing is the lesion length. And I I think we'll get into this a little bit later on, but Mm -hmm. you know, where exactly is that lesion starting and where does it end? And that, you know, how does that uh, become a reference as to how we end up treating uh, what we see? Uh, I would argue that everything that we do is trying to bridge from normal vessel to normal, normal vessel. And so, you know, understanding everything in between and making sure that our interventions aren't, uh, aren't having an effect on those areas in between and not connecting normal vessel, I think is vital to what we do. And that so far, you know, intravascular ultrasound has been an outstanding modality to be able to, to, to see that uh, in specific.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, you want to go from normal vessel to normal vessel in any case. And, and uh, as we all know, and, and people who are using IVIS, I mean, you see a lot more. On uh, IVIS than you see on Angio, um, you know how often? I mean, do you do you see? Would you say every time you IVIS you see something more um, compared to the angiogram, or or not as much? I think, in fairness, you know, because I've used it so much
0: now, I'm starting to ma- be able to make a correlation on things that I'm seeing on angiography and say, well, this is what it'll probably look like on IVIS. Uh, what I'm most surprised about is where a vessel appears uh, again, more on the normal side. And there's actually a lesion there. And so whenever you're doing your referencing, sizing, uh, you know, your definitive therapy, uh, really understanding those, uh, you know, those endpoints is is important. And that's what, again, like I said, but that's been the most surprising uh, part of what I've, I've done so far and discovered with intravascular ultrasound.
1: Yeah. What about the other way around? Is there something on angio that you see that you were surprised that you did not see on ibis? Has anything been like that? that? You know, that's a great question. And,
0: you know, you may be surprised by this but I actually look to, you know, really do my definitive, you know, what I expect to see uh, based on intravascular ultrasound, because there's so many different things that can fool you on uh, with arteriography. Now, again, with a trained eye and again, yeah, certainly interventional radiologists, you guys are, are, are trained, and this is something that you do, you know, on day in and day out basis uh, you start to recognize patterns. And so, you know, I, I, I can't say that, I've noticed anything on uh, arteriography where I didn't pick it up on intravascular ultrasound or expect it. But again, both can be confirmatory you know, in, in my practice. like where I, I tend to lean more towards the intravascular ultrasound, uh, you know, the, the farther that I move along.
1: Yeah. I mean, I bet you've actually now see things that other people don't see on angio because you've been able to correlate so often. And, and uh, you know, that's something um, that you can't really do until you actually see it yourself. Absolutely. You know? Um, Well, let's talk about the image, you know, intravascular ultrasound obviously is ultrasound in the artery. So what do you see on the image when you when you pop the IVUS in in an artery? So, you know, that's,
0: again, a great question. And, you know, this is one of the important things and one of
1: the the, one of the bigger obstacles
0: in addition to data, you know, is people understanding what what exactly they're seeing when it comes to uh, the vasculature and be able to differentiate what they need to treat and when they need to be done. So the first thing that you'll you know likely see is again kind of the the probe itself, uh, and then the the lumen will be typically a, a darker area, uh, followed by a transition into the the intima. Now we know that uh, that area tends to be more echogenic than than the media because of that uh, you know the elastin collagen. Now the again the media has uh, has both of these elements, but just not to the same extent. So then, once you bridge from that, then you'll expect to see uh, again the uh, transition to the abetition, which is not a clear—it's not really a clear stripe, uh, you know, compared to the, what you'd see between the the intima uh, mm-hmm. and the media. And so that's what you you know really are looking to see. Once you start looking beyond just a basic uh, basic arterial anatomy, uh, being able to see an atheroma, um, you know, evidence of dissection, the, and and again, a vessel diameter. Uh, both
1: inner and outer diameter are important things to to help uh, judge what you're going to do for your definitive treatment. You know, you brought that up, the inner and outer diameter. I, that's sometimes when I'm measuring things on IVIS and, and uh, in a peripheral intervention, I mean, what do you use as your diameter? I mean, if you measure the inner compare and take a measurement from the outer wall, outer to outer, inner, inner, it can change your, your measurement by a millimeter or two. Um, and so what do you use regularly when you're, when you're measuring. So I think similar to what, uh, yeah, our coron- coronary interventional is
0: looking at the reference, uh, vessels. So looking both distal and proximally. Now, again, uh, we don't have the specialized devices that go, uh, between millimeters, you know, 3.5 or yeah. uh, 2.75, but looking at those reference diameters and making decision, you know, where I'm going to land again, my definitive therapy, whether it's, uh, you know, drug coated balloon angioplasty or, uh, scaffolding. Uh, based on those findings. So that's what I I tend to use. Uh, The big reason, you know, for that, obviously with positive and and negative vessel remodeling, uh, you know, that can change again, like you mentioned, up to two and three millimeters in uh, vessel diameter and what you, you know, what you should be treating, what you shouldn't. Uh, So that's certainly an important, uh, you know, important aspect to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. Are you keeping, you know, your sizing, are you pretty much one-to-one? I mean, um, uh, you're keeping that angioplasty or stent uh, almost exact size as you can what what if you get something that's like five point three millimeters, then do you oversize by a millimeter or do you undersize um and what have you seen when you've done both yeah so that's a that's a, a great question
0: and obviously a very a, a tricky question. <laughs> uh, so you know when you're in between, uh, you know the most important thing. A lot of people uh, lose uh, you lose sight of this. When you're treating it with drug coated drug coated balloon angioplasty, you want to have contact of that um, the vessel or the uh, angioplasty balloon with the intima. So if you look at true lesion, you know you may only have a lumen that's one point five millimeters in diameter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's important that you, you choose a uh, a device that's going to be, you know, that size or greater. Now, obviously, a four or five millimeter balloon is going to be just fine uh, for the appropriate uh, length of balloon uh, angioplasty. You know, the most important aspect, though, is what comes after that, you know, as far as your, again, kind of definitive therapy. So then, you know, depending on the, the vessel diameter, I would uh, upsize to probably a larger balloon uh, and then treat those, uh, the areas that don't, uh, that tend to have recoil with a shorter, uh, angioplasty blown. And this has probably been one of the more, the the more interesting things that I've seen, uh, Mm um, in looking at the the vessels more in depth with, uh, with IVUS, yeah, really treating those areas that, that tend to have recoil and seeing a difference in, you know, half a millimeter to a millimeter, which can
1: mean, you know, all the world in these small vessels. Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's a a big percentage of the vessel diameter itself, especially if you're, going to the tibials and stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, what about calcium? Now calcium on ultrasound, obviously it's echogenic, it shadows, um, it, it sometimes if the vessel's very calcified, you know, how does that affect your measurements or the image and, and stuff like that? I think what it, it really tends to affect
0: is, uh, you know, again, how are you gonna approach the, uh, your definitive therapy? Uh, you know, we, we talk about the different atherectomy devices and often on uh, arteriography. A lot of times you can often underestimate, uh, or mm-hmm. you know, you under or overestimate depending on the extent, uh, the amount of calcification. So you know, choosing your your di- uh, your definitive therapy uh, with atherectomy is certainly important, um, and then that that carries on to uh, you know balloon angioplasty using specialty balloons, which I don't think that you know a lot of folks use enough of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, but those are some of the, the the considerations whenever you see calcium and how that affects my definitive
1: treatment. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, are you in in your interventions, it seems like when you do a pre Ivis uh, image, are you uh, if the angiographic image is fine after your intervention, are you still doing a post-intervention IVIS, uh run, or are you are you skipping that step? No, Ibis is meant to be you know
0: it's a pre I go in when I go in uh, once I've crossed the lesion, uh, I always interrogate with uh, with Ibis. And uh, after, you know, treatment, let's say if I do atherectomy, uh, you, know, dep- you know, the type of atherectomy, I like to look and see what what the characteristics are, and what the, the result is. Do I actually get luminal gain with uh, with the device that I've chosen? Uh, and then at the very end, that's actually the most important step, you know, walking away from a case. And even if you don't get the result that you want. At least walking away saying, uh, knowing, okay, I need to plan. This patient's going to be coming back in three to six months. I need to plan. This is what you know going to be my my uh, avenue of attack. Th- those are the things that's, and why it's important in always looking again pre, uh, uh, during, and post. Uh, did you actually do what you said that
1: you you wanted to do in that vessel? You hit it on the uh, like exactly on point. I mean, I've seen so many people just use IVIS pre, and then you know, you know, then they they do the intervention. And, you know, it looks good. It's done. But you all, I mean, I've personally seen so much more information after angioplasty that are, are any other intervention. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I, I did not see that at all. And, and yeah, you can plan future treatment. Sure. And the reason, you know, why I
0: respect uh, guys like you, I, I think it takes a lot to to look at these and know that with IVUS, you may see something that it, it, it ends up, it's not the perfect result. And with experience, you start learning, you know, what, what, what you need to go back and, and maybe touch up versus things that you can leave behind, but at least again, going, knowing with, uh, you know, with some sort of, uh, that you've done what, again,
1: what you said that you, that you wanted to do. I think that's so important. Exactly. I mean, why you have the, the tools in front of you to know more information, it's always something that we should do, you know, absolutely. Is there a sizing platform, uh, you know, like, you know, um, most Ivis comes in 035, 018, 014. Do you stick with one particularly for infringuinal uh, disease um, or do you, you know, just go between anything you want? Yeah, no, uh, I'm almost exclusively uh,
0: 014 uh, based. That gives me the advantage of having uh, the addition of, you know, Chromaflow. I think I, I believe there's only one manufacturer that has an 014 device uh, right now. Uh, I'd love to see more uh, competition uh, to really, so they can push each other to improve uh, image definition. Uh, But that really is my go-to and that it's nice, uh, especially with, uh, you know, flossing and getting single wire control uh, and being able to go retrograde over the same wire uh, as you're, uh, you know, performing definitive treatment, you can certainly cut down on the amount of time that it takes to go in and out with the, uh, with the
1: Ivis catheter. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I agree with you on the 014 platform. I mean, I actually think um, the image on the 014 is better than 018. That's what I was using first uh, when I was doing um, peripheral inventions in my in my gig. And uh, we went to the point where we switched all our 018 uh, same company to 014 platform because it was so much better. Uh, and to get Chromoflow and all of that. So, um, right. yeah, yeah. And it, you can use it, you know, again, retrograde post-grade anything you get you don't lose that much of a diameter of the field of view right especially for what we're doing absolutely um so now is there anything is there a case you don't ivis i mean you go in is it is it is is it always that that's a given um you know uh, is there any situation you can think of that you do not ivis Um. Uh, it's okay if the answer is no <laughs>
0: No, I, I think that there there is not an, an absolute, uh, you know, in these cases per se. Um, I think in someone that has, uh, you know, maybe they come in with a, a threatened limb uh, that I've recently done. Where I already know the size dimensions, I have a, you know, I'm uh, I'm suspicious of uh, maybe something acute going on. Uh, I may not because I already know the sizing, uh, you know, based on the previous intervention um, those are, that's maybe the, the rare case where I, I might not, uh, you know, perform or ultrasound. However, it, it, at this point, it's just tough not to, you know, now that I know, uh, you know, <laughs> what I, I'm missing. If I don't, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's kind of a tough thing to, to lay my head down at night. Uh, you know, yeah. so.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I maybe, yeah, like you mentioned an acute limb, um, if it's pretty obvious where the clot is and stuff and, and normal vessels, but I think Better to Ivis than not Ivis, right? I agree. Um, you know, some people when I've talked about Ivis is uh, they think about cost effectiveness. I mean, you know, you're opening up a catheter, that's expensive. Can, can you kind of comment on the cost effectiveness of Ivis? is it a money sink or is it actually helping? You know, the bottom line in the case too. Uh, So that's a great question. I think in the hospital setting, uh, you know, one of the big
0: arguments has been, uh, you know, with the bundling of payments, uh, you know, especially for lower extremity work, there isn't a a carve out uh, for reimbursement, specifically for intravascular ultrasound. So the the more that you can cut down on, you know, disposable uh, items that you're using, obviously there's a a cost savings. Uh, Unfortunately, neither, uh, you know, any of us you know, the industry, industry have made a really strong case for data to say that, hey, you know, this should be our definitive, uh, you know, diagnosis and treatment of choice, uh,
1: because that would make that argument, obviously, a, a lot, a lot easier to make. Totally. You know, speaking of evidence, what what's out there right now that supports IVIS? if there's anything or what is going on right now, um, to your knowledge, to, to kind of find out that answer?
0: You know so that's a that's a great question.
1: We're at an inflection point, which is really cool
0: uh you know there there have been guys that uh, have used uh, intravascular ultrasound for, for many years across specialties. was uh, a vascular surgeon uh, you know I called uh, uh, Frank Argo the goat uh, <laughs> and that was one of the reasons that that we you know that, that we ended up crossing paths was uh, kind of an affinity uh you know for the for the uh for the technology yeah going forward uh that's going to be the 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 way that we you know can really make a a big difference and so you know being able to work with him and uh you know seeing what the the real advantages were that kind of pointed me in the right direction as far as uh you know being able to find uh, some data if you go back uh even fifteen years ago or ten years ago guys were looking at uh, vessel diameter and how you couldn't tell, you, know, you couldn't see the difference even in the periphery uh, in arteriography versus intravascular ultrasound. Uh, you know, Zach Arthur's looked at lesion length and, and saw that uh, we were missing. And I think that the difference was something like uh, three centimeters, which is significant. Oh, that's significant. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a really a treasure trove of data. However, the big argument has been, uh, guys have said, well, there's no double-blind randomized controlled, you know, powered data to say that, uh, you know, we should be supporting its use. And I guess I would say to that, you know, you look at the many devices that we use that have worked well uh, and some that have not, uh, where the data is quite sparse. Uh, I pretty much staked my, my career on, on saying that, you know, intramastical ultrasound is going to change. And it, again, that some of the spinoffs and the iterations, the other specialized uh, modalities that we'll talk about later, like OCT and 4s are going to push the envelope and, and really help us to achieve, a, you know, better results. I really believe that, that we're missing a lot. Uh, and even with these technologies, I think that there's still there are
1: improvements and other iterations that can, that can allow us to do a better job. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about data and I, I think it's, you know, you know, it's needed, it's needed, but, you know, innovation comes from somewhere and, you know, pushing the envelope, you you can't you know, do things if you're just wait I mean someone has to make the data and I you know you know you're doing a lot of good work for that. So um, you know, I, I do think that innovators and pushing the limits, you could, you do have to kinda use your logic and it obviously makes sense. You see a lot more on IVIS than and and you would, you know, stent into a normal vessel rather than this, you know, lead 30% lesion that you had no idea on your single view on Angio. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um now um the uh, the guys, you know, uh, uh, Fatty Saab and, and Gian Mustafa, they've uh, talked about EVIS a lot, extravascular ultrasound. What are your thoughts about that, EVIS versus IVIS, and and uh, what's the advantage of either or both? No, I think, uh, so first of all, you're talking about two guys
0: that have literally transformed, you know, the way that we treat lower extremity disease. Uh, you know, Jihad has played such a huge role in you know, my growth and getting me involved. Uh, and treated critical limb ischemia, so you know, big shout out to uh, you know to Giada especially uh, for yeah. really taking me under his wing. Um, they're onto something, and the reason it's no secret that those guys get some pretty good results, and have been on the forefront when it comes to multiple modalities in treatment of lower extremity disease. Being able to see what's on the inside of the vessel while you're you know in real time while you're treating it is obviously a, a significant exa- uh, advantage. And they have maximized yeah. that to, to the full extent. And not at the point where they I believe they're training uh other uh ultrasonographers to be, you know, as an as a, a separate specialty, which you know talk about advancing what we do exactly. uh yeah. and, and making totally. it better. You know, you 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 can't make it any better. Um so I would argue the two are complementary. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in most places, uh the the ability until that becomes a mainstream uh, modality and getting, uh, you know, be able to have a full-time employee that can uh, perform those uh, procedures uh, intra-procedurally. Uh, I think that Intravascular Ultrasound allows us a, uh, you know, an easy pathway to having that modality and having that extra information that, again, can helpfully help improve outcomes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it does take, you know, at least with Ivis, it's uh, with one operator, um, with familiar with it, you can do it, but, you know, it does, Ivis is, is complementary, but needs that you know, extra person, you can't do it yourself. You need someone who's very kind of familiar, but they are doing such a good job of advancing yeah. that, that pillar of uh, imaging. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about a couple drawbacks of IVIS. What, what are some artifacts? I know we've kind of discussed a little bit, but any artifacts that you would call attention to for people to look out for?
0: Sure. You know, the, the big thing is, uh, you know, obviously being able to distinguish and seeing, you know, is there a dissection that's present and, you know, going through the entire uh, progression of what is more severe than uh, you know, what's severe and needs to be treated with a uh, say scaffolding or additional balloon angioplasty or, or what can be left behind. Um, that can be one of the, the trickiest things uh, in knowing what, what dissections are important. Now, Interestingly enough there uh, to understand that we realize based on, I think the coronary data, you know, things like peristent dissections are an important, uh, you know, aspect of recurrence. Uh, and there, there are companies out there uh, that have already and are continuing to innovate and uh, in try to address this this very problem. Uh, I think that's one of the, the biggest things, uh, you know, in understanding, you know, what should be treated and what shouldn't. Uh, you know, we talked about calcium before, and certainly that's, uh, you know, that can be, uh, you know, difficult. Uh, but again, you know, IVIS can help you to pinpoint uh, where you can target uh, short uh, uh, length balloon angioplasty to to get additional luminal gain there. Those are some of the big
1: things uh, yeah. that I think really stand out. You know, um, a lot of the IVIS non-believers, let's call them that, um, say that, you know, you're seeing too much and you are now seeing something that Maybe doesn't need treatment, um, but you know it's it's kind of a a big claim to say that. Uh, but a lot of people do say that. You know, it's 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 all over social media when when uh, an IVIS claim is made. Sure. So um, I don't know. What what do you think about that comment? And how can you address it? I think that you come
0: back the the argument with data. I think it's in, important to acknowledge that we haven't gone through. Uh, and really systematically looked at the effectiveness of this modality. Uh, And that's really a shame, given it's been around for uh, 20 years (laughs) plus. Uh, You would do to start uh, uh, making, doing those investigations, really having a a better understanding. Uh, I guess, you know, again, I made the argument earlier about NASA and some of the other areas of precision that we rely on every single day, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in what we do. And I, I think this is no different. In the same token, you know, as far as understanding what we see and what difference it makes, let's collect that data. You know, does yeah. look at the success we've had with drug coated balloon angioplasty, uh, even for grade calcified lesions. Now, of course, I have to say, and, and I think that no one can argue with it, a good bypass uh, when it's possible when there's a good target, there is totally. nothing that that can touch that. Yeah. However, uh, we've seen in the past in my career, we've seen the the ability to treat. Uh, certainly better than with plain old balloon angioplasty, but the drug coat of balloon angioplasty kind of revolution, if you will. And the differences that made uh, as far as longevity and uh, treating these lesions. Imagine if we could understand, well, maybe if we can get an extra 15% that increases our uh, durability by six months to a year or even longer. Uh, just imagine, you know, again, the leap that we've made from uh, plain old balloon angioplasty to DCB, whether or not to play scaffolding and again be able to achieve
1: those uh that that long-term durability that we so uh, so covet oh yeah i mean you know the technology is constantly improving too. the devices you know you've mentioned scaffolding a lot you know we have these tacks that are available now that you know we did not have before so you know you you have this lesion this dissection that you see on IVUS that may not be flow limiting but who knows what happens in three months if you're not following that patient or something happens and that occludes. But now you have these other devices that really help. So, you know, we have these things to um, really, it just it makes logic. It, it makes sense. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so it's hard to argue with that. Sure. And again, it, it comes down to innovation and 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 pushing the boundaries. You have to be able to do that. And let's admit that the court in the coronary space, they they really have taken the imaging and standardizing
0: that to I think a, a different level as compared to you know the rest of us or the in, in the periphery. Let's not reinvent the wheel. We know that the the technology, we know that we need it. We know that we can get better results. We're far from perfect, and there are way too many amputations occurring. So let's look at some ways to make it better. And I think that we have some modalities here today that 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 can
1: do that. Totally, totally. I mean. You know, uh, one of the things too, I wanted to bring up, you know, in my lab, uh, we have a fixed, we have fixed unit uh, IVISs, and, uh, I don't know, I, I train my techs how to control and, and make measures. A lot of times I want to, you know, measure it myself. I know exactly what I'm trying to, trying to think. Sure. What are some things, I mean, um, do, do, what do you recommend? Do you have like your own controls for IVAS, um, on your, you know, are you controlling it or other people? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, Actually, there are other folks that are usually in the room. I'm
0: lucky. I have two uh, reps that are uh, both all about it. Uh, You know, one of the two of them is usually there. Uh, And uh, not only do they have expertise and can really show me exactly what I want to see, but I'll, and do the diameter measurements and that kind of thing. They've also shown the other folks in the room how to do that. And so I have a, a, you know, a, really, uh, you know, I think a significant advantage, uh, because even with the turnover, uh, and, and traveling, uh, you know, the, the traveling technicians, those folks get schooled pretty early on, on how to use the modality. And so that makes it a lot easier. It's just the reps you had, it's painful. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in the, uh, I mean, the repetitions are, are important, you know, with any new modality, you just have to do it. Once they, once they're able to see something different and see the, you know, see the, kind of the delta in what they were doing before versus what you're able to see, you know, afterwards, people get pretty excited about the modality. And yeah, again, set up and that kind of thing
1: with repetitions, it becomes uh completely really second nature. Absolutely. You know, the um I I uh you know when I first was doing IVIS I was using the diameter measurement, but I really like the dots feature. <laughs> and you know it's great, like, You know, you get it's just it's you know non it's an irregular shape and, sure. and you get more data. Um the other thing, you know sometimes I found a little bit of an issue in my lab is just the, like the cord length. And so I've, I've trained my texts, you know, cause you have that, you know, box that you have to connect it to, right. it's usually mobile, but you know, sometimes, you know, um, if, if the cord was longer, something can be easier, especially if you're going up and over and all these kind of things. Right.
0: Yeah. And so that, that's a, uh, maybe a push to, you know, the, again, the two manufacturers that are here in the U S yeah. uh, and you know th- there's a there's a need for competition and really pushing the envelope there's so many ways that we can improve just simple things that we can improve uh workflow uh which i know is one of the cornerstones of the one of those particular companies you know let's start yeah. doing things let's let's start making it easier uh
1: and not making obstacles for you know using
0: the modality
1: yeah um you know what's what's in the future of ivis i mean what um is there that if you can, if you can share too, just like what's the new development, what's going on, um, you know, what can we expect in the next couple of years?
0: You know, so really keying in on some of the, the again, the older technologies has actually been there uh, for some time. Uh, you got, you know, about Chromaflow uh, and actually I, I spoke with Philips uh, some time ago prior to uh, obviously COVID. Uh, about you know the the possibility of being able to correlate uh, that signal with the amount of flow, uh, and you know so I think that that's one of the the powerful modalities that that gives a lot of information, but no one's really no one's tapped into, uh, which you know there, there's certainly room to do so. In addition, uh, you know being able to to correlate and couple the the imaging of not only the arteriogram with what you're seeing on Ibis. And, you know, the, the co-registration is, all, again, has always been done in the, the coronary space. Now we're starting to see that. Uh, and I actually saw that technology maybe three or four years ago in the peripheral space. And that's really exciting to, to see. I think that'll be, you know, really cool uh, you know, as far okay. as uh,
1: being able to see more. That would be really neat. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, so there's a couple other technologies. You mentioned them before, you know, the OCT or optical coherence tomography. Um, it, you know i've seen pictures they look really cool but i i don't you know use it myself is that something you know you see as something that can help more i think there anything that can show
0: uh you know the vessel architecture better than arteriography i think is some something worth looking at you know each of these uh modalities has limitations uh, and that's mm-hmm. the reality however i think they each have their their own uh their own strengths as well uh Again, I always go back to the idea that when it comes to our ultimate, uh, you know, ultimate goal. So just like STEMIs, you know, we have door to balloon time. And they've certainly made a difference when it comes to the outcomes of those patients. When we talk about, you know, door to, uh, you know, time, balloon time, when it comes to the lower extremity, we're doing an awful job. Uh, You know, across the board, when it comes to, you know, uh, know, our minority populations, we're doing a terrible job. I'm willing to embrace anything that has a realistic chance of improving our opportunities to have better outcomes. Uh, and and those two modalities you spoke about, you know, OCT and FOURS are helping to push that envelope, uh, you know, as far as uh, getting better imaging and helping to guide our decision-making.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, FOURS is really cool. It's something I saw. Uh, that Philips is doing with uh, fiber optics. Uh, Can you touch on that? Have you played with it at all? I have. Really cool. So uh, me and uh, Jay
0: Matthews, actually this is a few years ago and you'll have to ask him the story about uh, how he is his uh, stomach was a little bit upset. We still never really got to the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that was one of the most exciting technologies that uh, that I've been able to, to get my hands on. Uh, the idea of uh, not using, you know, any radiation or an absolute minimum of radiation and a wire that can see itself is is. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, you, you couple that with being able to take the images themselves and rotate them, you know, on the X, Y, Z axis and be able to look in line. Let's say you're trying to cannulate uh, one of the uh, one of the visceral uh, uh, vessels, you know, the ability to cannulate those uh, becomes almost seamless. And they, they've actually started to, to show this in, uh, you know, in human uh, experience. So I'm really excited to see that
1: technology take off. Yeah, man. It's like, it's the future. I mean, you put on some VR goggles, it's the minority report. I mean, that's that's where we are. So, um, like you said, we're at an inflection point in, in, uh, in medicine and endovascular therapy. And it's so excited to see where, what's going to happen. Um, I, I want, you know, I wanted to think, um, do you have any kind of really fun, memorable case that Ivis kind of changed your vision on? I mean, anything that you can remember that like, oh man, this is, this is here to stay. Um, I, I was kind of like, like hearing those stories. Um, that, that's a great question. Uh, so I'll take you back to,
0: you know, once I, I did the course, uh, up in Michigan, I uh, think the weather was awful. Uh, I want to say that, you know, we <laughs> slid our entire way to actually a very nice hotel. Um, and then to, to the course that, uh, Jihai and the guys put on, um, yeah, you, you kind of fast forward to. Uh, my own practice and being able to take those things into my own practice, um, which I was, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I, I was able to have some early success. Uh, I noticed that those patients I was treating, especially in the you know, the proximal tibials and you know, the tibials overall, when they came back for their one and three month, uh, you know, follow up and surveillance studies, they were having velocities of four and five hundreds and my tearograms looked beautiful when I was done. And so, you know, I'd like to think that I'm always pushing myself and trying to figure out how I can do something better. I'm like, I, I've got to be missing something. And I, I happened to walk in on a case and, you know, one of the, uh, one of the cardiologists used Ibis and I mean, it was like, my eyes kind of glazed over and, you know, then I had a conversation with, uh, with Jay Matthews, uh, who again has been a, a great mentor, uh, and really pointed me in the right direction, in just so many ways. Mm-hmm. And Ibis was one of those things. And it's like, yeah, dude, like they're already, he's like, look, we're already doing stuff. You know, we're starting to co-register the images. Uh, and, and, you know, gaining more information. And so from that, I mean, I was really sold. I'll never forget the first time that I did an off-label uh, stent in the proximal tibules, uh, for which there, again, there's some really good data out there. And we know uh, because the recoil and, and you know, in, in the That's proximal great. tibules, especially, you know, the results we get there, they're not, they're not great. Uh, I put a, a coronary stent in the proximal tibial on a patient that had a, a non-healing uh, first-digit wound. And, I'll tell you what, things were going on three and a half years and that thing is still, it's still humming along. Now, yeah. you know, you combine that with good outflow. There, there are other things that we had to do. Probably there's yeah. an element of luck in there as well. Um, but that, that changed my world. And that was probably four or five years ago. And now literally almost every vessel that i that I see a wire in, there's a, you know, an IBIS is
1: is soon to follow. That's awesome. Well, you know, Brian, I, again, I just have to say it's, it's, it's so awesome collaborating with you. Um, You know, you're, you're such a, a gem and, and a great personality. So, you know, keep on doing it, keep on, um, you know, advancing the field. You know, we're all benefiting from it. And uh, yeah, I, I really had fun talking to you today. Brother, what a, what an amazing <laughs> honor. And uh, what a, you
0: know, I don't know how many vascular surgeons you guys have had on here before. Uh, But to be considered, you know, this is you guys have a legit setup and, you know, really putting out that great product. It's innovative. Uh, You know, I think Interventional Radiology is kind of known for that, uh, which is really cool. Um, You know, this is one of the highest honors I've had an opportunity to, to lead a department and do a lot of great things. And even at the division level now. Uh, you know, the idea of being invited to do a a, a podcast that, uh, you know, where great, great work is being done is really, you know, an awesome thing. So I really appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be, uh, to come on and, uh, you know, look forward to one
1: day coming on again. Oh, absolutely. We're honored to have you. And, and thanks for those kind words. Thank you, Brian. You bet, brother. You guys take care.